in this world full of ignorant bliss, our truth often gets dismissed. We all hide behind our screens, pretending to know what life truly means. But if you're here, I sense you're searching for something. Something beneath the surface, something deep within. It's time for your weekly dose of the pill that does the most. Okay, so I'm curious to see what you came up with because obviously the trigger for this episode was a post that we saw on one of these Inc. Business Weekly or Forbes pages or one of these um, business Instagram Mm. accounts with the headline, The Death of Hub is quite dramatic but also captivating because I opened the link, didn't I? I think I sent to you. Potentially, yeah, yeah, can't honestly, remember. yeah. But, but this was this was this was definitely like seven, eight, nine, ten weeks ago. Mm. So, sadly, I lost the link. Oh shit! But but the um idea stayed the same. Did you did you have the link? Um, no, I honestly I didn't even remember that there was a prompt for this. But yeah, there was actually. Um, but while we speak about prompt, let me just go through while you're looking for that. Let me just quickly yeah. talk about why this episode is important. I believe. So I think we all, a range of thinkers have obviously argued, philosophy, religion, science, whatever they are from, have argued that thanks to science, thanks to tech, our world condition has improved, continued mm-hmm. to improve, right? And people think that we're becoming progressively happier, safer, quality of life is getting better, different skill sets emerging, and we have different reasons to work. Mm. Um... But then there's a couple of leisure people. Leisure? Le- How do you say that word? Leisure or leisure? I think the one is American and one is British. Oh, Le- damn it. Yeah. British since <laughs> one second. they colonize um, us. Leisure. Leisure is... Leisure. Actually, it's just leisure. Leisure. I don't see any American spelling, maybe. Yeah, leisure. Carry right. on. So basically, based on the progress we've made in the world, I, I think the, the leisure scholars do talk about the fact that the idea of leisure... And fit into this order because it provides us a good way to, a singular way to measure progress. But even though you can do that, we rarely mention it in the idea of progress. And if you think about it, it makes sense because in our world that we've come to live in, in our short lives, a lot of us think of life in dimensions around work, family, and hobbies, pleasure, hobbies slash leisure outside of work, right? And it's this leisure, for the most part, that tends to foster development as well mm. in your community and yourself across the ages that you are in life. I mean, we are just under 40. Oh, wait, no, what? We are just <laughs> 30 years old. Oh, my God. Why, why did I say under 40? That, that was a mistake. I think I watched a movie that someone was 40 in there. Anyway, um, and I guess my point is that the vast majority of leisure activities, leisure activities, mm. I've often had profound positive consequences for participation in society. Yeah. Um, whether as a kid or as an adult. So this this makes a good case for leisure being part of that progress that we are making as a humankind. And I think if you look at your life as well, the ability to even have le- leisure is a good sign of progress of humanity because you're, you're not thinking of fundamental survival mm. as our ancestors tended to do in the past. Yeah, And leisure then gives us a more richer life because we have several selves that we can formulate or find outside of work and family. Yeah. Right. So why do I start with the word leisure when we're talking about hobbies? 
Mm. Um, this is because when I was preparing for the episode, I went with the hobbies mindset because that's what triggered the thought of the episode in the first place. But then I realized that hobbies were the words we use colloquially, but in the academic literature, leisure is probably the most profound mm. word, concept that captures hobbies. Mm. Right? And which, is, which makes sense because my, when I was doing my search for hobbies, it was quite hard to find good material, material that was linking directly into a good conversation for us. Mm. Until I had to dig dive into hobbies and then do what, what we call back referencing to try and see okay, what they're talking about from those who are referencing these guys. Mm. And then I began to see people use the word leisure, skilled leisure, um, leisure in all kinds of terms. Mm. And I then found that there is one main man, academic professor, okay. um, Robert Stebbins, who used apparently dedicated his life 40 years into the study of leisure and hobbies. Bro. Quite remarkable, isn't it? Someone just says, I'm going to pick a concept, an idea, an experience, and my entire life is on this. Only so anyway, um, it's based on Robert Stebbins' work that I kind of found and rediscovered the idea of hobbies and leisure and how it gave me a framework to understand, oh, okay, this is deeper than I actually thought. Mm. Which is why I said, bro, I need some more time <laughs> before we come <laughs> on this chat. Yeah. So this can go in two ways. And I want you to give me what you think is preferable. We can either begin with everyday questions that a human will ask on Twitter, Instagram, or in a podcast like this yeah. about hobbies. And fall back onto the framework I found regarding leisure and hobbies. Or we can go through the framework and go through it quickly quick as you can, and then use these questions to answer around hobbies. Again, this, we want to understand whether hobbies are dead or not and how they look like for us and as adults and why they're important in our lives, essentially. Mm. And we're doing that through a mental sparring efforts through these ideas we found in our research. Yeah. Um, I want to say, like, we can do the... Latter, former. I'll just say the framework one. I just dive into the framework. But first, like, I, um, just the article. I just wanted to, I found it and I'll just, I'm not reading it. It's just the key points that were made in there and then just a few categories and then we can take it into the framework. Might, might be the same magic. I probably said article as well if you're talking about a. The BI a, article. Um, yeah. The what? Sorry? The business insider article. The one that you said. Oh, no, no, no. Oh, do you have that one now? Yeah, yeah, yeah I found it. Oh, okay. Can you actually give us a prelude? What, what's the premise of the article that inspired the episode that I can't remember anyway? Okay, so quick overview. So um, the article is written by some guy called Tommy Wild. Um, and he launched like a wildlife information service called Flipmania. And it's gained initial success. But the site's visitor started to decline when Wild started to focus on topics to drive traffic. Um, you know, to kind of like make it a bit more worthwhile. So it led to regrets for him and loss of joy. And so he's making the argument that hobbies are increasingly become, um, being turned into side hustles for income. And that, monetiz- uh, okay. yeah, and that monetization can extinguish the passion and pleasure of the activity. That side hustles are driven by economic uncertainty and a desire for extra cash. And they tend to blur the boundaries between work and leisure, leading to stress and burnout. That preserving hobbies for personal enjoyment and well-being is important. So as those are like the main things he's talking about. It's almost like just, it's almost like a side hustle I, versus... Hobby. I love that you that that I love that you actually said this at the start because 
hearing this now, if I heard this at the start of today, I'd yeah. have said, oh yeah, Tom, Tommy, is this Tom? Whatever his Tommy, name is. Tommy, yeah. Tommy is absolutely, you know, spot on there. You know, Tommy is absolutely right. Tommy is heading somewhere. But I think after reading what I've read today for about three, four hours, mm. no, three hours, I'm just lying off hours, three hours, <laughs> I, was watching, I was watching Chelsea for three many hours. Um, after reading for three hours there about, I've, I've now realized that there's actually distinctions Mm. that it might be what Tom is trying to say but doesn't doesn't know or doesn't want to say or doesn't understand yet is that maybe people are transitioning between types of leisure. Mm. And maybe some leisure types are getting more dominant in today's times. Mm. Now we'll get into that very, very quickly. So essentially, um, let me start with this actually by, before I go into the framework, you know, one thing I wanted to know was, what's the function of hobbies, right, in our lives? I couldn't really get an answer as, a, as an adult. I mean, you, you could get the typical answers of mental health, well-being, yeah. um, passion, self-gratification, community. You, mm. get, you, you find those answers, right? Yeah. But I couldn't get specific, deep answers that were, like, categorized. They probably were existing in academic literature, but I couldn't find on time. But then I, I think, I then asked that, okay, definitely there's, there's, there's a difference between hobbies that function. Mm. There's a difference between how hobbies function with kids yeah. when we were children and as, and as adults. Yeah. And obviously as an adult now, it's, maybe it's harder for me to think of what my hobbies are doing for me. But as a child, it was quite easy to understand because all my hobbies as, as a kid involved some kind of play. Mm. And I thought this probably a potential universal description for all kids who had hobbies of their own choosing at least so maybe i would not call a hobby where your dad says go and learn karate yeah for a kid right i don't know that's a hobby but i won't call that as a hobby hmm. i think as a child for me all hobbies involve some kind of play they had to be playing that and then i then said okay well how do i define play as a kid so i went into Dictionary slash scholar definition of play, and play is described as behaviors that are pleasurable, self-motivated, non-goal-directed, spontaneous, and free from adult-imposed rules. Play is active and hands-on, and play is individual and open-minded. Mm. Right, it's all-consuming, it's joyous, captivating. There's no competition, and it's not directed. And with play, as a kid, you learn your world. And, and how you relate to your world. Mm. Learn your inner self, you create your self-image, right? So, and place concerned with process, not product. Now, look at this definition by, um, by Terry Patrick, in, 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 who was in a conference in 1996, talked about this. It made me realize that it makes sense because all my activities of play that I remember were not particularly things... I mean, all my childhood hobbies that I think I remember, not particular things that my parents were forcing me to do. Yeah. Even if they involve some kind of non-school activity. Yeah. Right. But as an adult, your hobbies will not necessarily be about play in this play description. Right? Your hobbies will be involved many other things. And then this is why the hobby concept itself then began to confuse me even more because I was like, so if hobbies right now go beyond play, how are we then categorizing and, and distinguishing hobbies from other things? 
mm. which is when I, which is when I then found Stebbins. Yeah. Right. So Stebbins, as I said, is a professor emeritus at the University of Calgary. He put his entire life, 30 years of work into the concept of leisure and hobbies. The irony. And he's, he's written about this in several domains. Mm. But one thing he began to write about at the start was he defined leisure and the element of leisure. Right. Now, leisure obviously has different, different types. Mm. But elements of leisure means attributes that you assign to leisure, right? Yeah. And in his time of describing leisure, and let me know whether this, this fits what you think of leisure in your life, is mm. one element of leisure is that leisure is definitely an antithesis to work, mm. right? So it is not definition of work. Yeah. Right? It's pleasant in how you expect and how you recollect it. Right. Mm -hmm. It involves kind of like minimum involuntary social obligations. Right. Mm -hmm. Psychologically, there's a, there's a, there's a feeling of freedom in leisure activities. Um, leisure must also be close to the values of your culture. Mm -hmm. Right. And it also includes an entire range of, um, inconsequence so like there's there's no big consequence for doing things or not doing things in leisure activities right and often but not always but necessary is characterized by element of play mm. now this was when i began to realize that okay as an adult one of the things that there's definitely distribution leisure and distribution hobbies and hobbies as a kid and as an adult is that for me hobbies as a kid always had to have play mm -hmm. If not, I found it as work. Yeah. Even though the activity was something like a non-schoolwork activity. Yeah. Right. But as an adult, we can have hobbies that don't involve play. Yeah. But we don't see them as the work. way we saw hobbies that don't involve plays, play when we're kids. Yeah. Now, looking at these elements, let me let you come before I go too much into this. Because um, the next step I want to talk about now is the types of leisure and where hobby sits in this leisure family. Yeah. Um, right. But look at the elements you've heard now. What's, what, what are your immediate thoughts and descriptions so in terms of um, not being work as a function, pleasant expectation and recollection, minimum social obligation, influential obligation, feeling of freedom, um, no, no, no consequence or weightness or importance if you, if you don't do it. And of course, element of play. In some cases, yeah. Um, I guess it makes sense. It feels a bit too. Um, I guess it's an academic paper and all of that, so it feels a bit too rude for me. Like in in terms yeah. of like how how it's defined and all those sorts of things, because I don't think we, I don't think about leisure, which is the American way of pronouncing it for those that care to know. Um, I I don't think about it in the sense of like just that framework. You understand? Um, maybe personally, if I was going to answer before you said anything of what. I guess leisure or, you know, hobbies mean to me or all of that. It's probably, I guess, things that don't have that economic weight on top of them. That's honestly the main filter that I use for them. Um, either it's, you know, fun or not fun in, in terms of anybody's eyes. But for me, I think it's just that economic, like I'm not doing it because I need to get something else out of it rather than a sense of, yep fulfillment and happiness which is the joy. first element that of yeah. leisure essentially that it is not it's it's not work as an econ economic function yeah exactly so i think that's that's probably the main one the other ones 
like social education, whatnot, whatnot, they're not as strong to me when I think about what means or does not mean like a hobby. Because, and I want to try and say is that if, if, if like something had checked all the other boxes and the only box that it didn't check on this framework was that the money aspect was there. Like it wouldn't feel as strong for me as if the money one was missing and maybe just the money one was missing and everything else wasn't really checked. It would still be fine right. for me. Do you get? So what would you consider as like leisure activities or and slash or hobbies in your life right now? Um, like I don't think I ever draw a line between them, right? For me, I think there's hobbies and leisure activities are like the same for me. They're the same for you, okay? Yeah. So you see them as the same, okay? Yeah, because um, I guess in some kind of way, I wouldn't necessarily call the podcast like a leisure activity. Actually, okay, they're not the same because as you're starting to define leisure, it just sounded like you know you're going to go and listen to music somewhere, or you're going to go to a party and go drink and socialize with friends. That kind of thing, or you're going to go and play Monopoly with the friends and all those sort of things. I think, I guess those things are pure leisure activities in my head. And hobbies are things that maybe in a world, and these arguments can fall because what I was going to say is that in a world, you can add an economic element to it, but you've chosen not to. And so it stays as a hobby, quote unquote. But then people play Monopoly competitions and FIFA competitions and they take things seriously in that way. So technically, it's not the activity that matters, it's the person and what they impose on the activity that eventually matters. So I think that's how I'll just define it in that sense. So why that is interesting is that thing number what you just said. Yeah. It shows why perhaps distinguishing different types of leisure is important. Mm. Because from what I read and found, you have leisure that exists in three main types, like okay. three main big categories, right? So you have casual leisure, mm. you have project-based leisure, and you have serious pursuits. Mm. Right. Now, serious pursuits are probably where a lot of things we talk, we're going to talk about today lie. Okay. But let's quickly look at casual leisure and project-based leisure. Okay. Now, casual leisure would involve when you ask somebody, oh, what would you like to do on their CV or in a, maybe in an interview? Mm. And they say, oh, I like to watch Netflix. Mm. Right. So that's like relaxation. Right. You know, so, so casual leisure involves relaxation, play, passive entertainment, sociable conversation, but it's more of things that happen with everyday existence as opposed to... A dedicated... Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. So that's casual leisure. Mm -hmm. Right. So this could even be casual volunteering. It could also, it could also be just talking to somebody. It could be about active entertainment, watching YouTube as mm -hmm. we do. Right. Now, project-based leisure um, involves perhaps what they call one-shot projects, occasional projects, mm. right? So this is not very dense in terms of the structure which I found. Um, but this is just, for example, if you're trying to make something, let's say, um, I don't know, what is something that I like to do as a one-shot one project leisure? Making bird cages, making, I don't know, some people like to draw. Paint. Yes. So, for example, yeah. yeah. So, like, maybe, yeah, yeah. Like, maybe, like, this weekend, like, like, like my friend now, he likes to make, make cakes, like, mm. once every other month, mm. that kind of thing. So, this kind of thing. And it could be that your, it could also be that part of this project based leisure links to casual in terms of you could just do some activity participations as a one time yeah. thing or more yeah. regular, right? So, but for these me, ones, yeah, go on. Yeah, go on. Now, I was going to say, like, for me, like, a, an example that I guess I can put to that is that 
like making beats, for example, making instrumentals. It can be a project thing, or I could just pick yeah. up my guitar and, you know, just exactly play around with that a bit. Exactly, yeah. exactly, exactly. So those are the so those are the two types in terms of those are two out of three types in terms of leisure, casual mm-hmm. leisure, and project based leisure. Now serious pursuits then involve two more two further categories mm. where you have serious leisure, which is the bulk of everything we're talking about, and devotee work. Mm. Right. So now serious leisure is is the heavy heavy part, which is a lot of what um Stebbins actually focuses on eventually. Okay. If that makes sense. So I think serious leisure is the idea of that is that those who do serious leisure are not dependent on whatever remuneration comes from it. Mm. Right. So that's similar to what you said at the start. Right. So it is serious because, you know, you are dedicated to it in some way, Mm -hmm. but you're not dependent on it on what comes from it economically. Yeah. Right. And many of us have these. Or many yeah. of us don't have these. But perhaps this is what Tommy's article is beginning to talk about. Mm. That is shifting to people expecting more from what serious leisure they engage in. Yeah. Right. Now, one thing that distinguishes serious leisure from unserious forms, like your casuals, mm-hmm. is, the occasion, is the occasional need to persevere at it. Mm. Fair. So, if, so, so, so you find yourself doing something whereby you feel the need to keep going at it, to mm-hmm. get better, to stick with it. It's becoming serious leisure. Now, it might not still be bringing you money, bringing you yeah. bucks, doing anything, but you feel you need to stick with it. Question though, because I'm Go thinking on. of guys that get really good at FIFA, right? They feel the need and urge to get better at FIFA. <laughs> would, you, would you classify that as serious leisure? Okay, let's go through, through serious leisure types and then we'll okay. decide that. Yeah. That's a good point. I think I will. I think mm. I will. I'll tell you why. But, but let's go through the types. Yeah. Before I talk, talk about types, let me mention one more quality of serious leisure is that it, it kind of separates it. What separates it from other forms of leisure, mm. um, like the casuals or like the project-based, is that there's a, there's a, some people can have careers in these endeavors, mm. even if these careers are not their work. Mm. Right? So you can lead to careers in quotes like a dancer right? because it, yeah. exactly because it's serious base now Stebbins des- describes ser- serious leisures in three types there's the amateurism mm-hmm. there is the hobbies pursuits which is where hobbies actually lie yeah funny enough and then there's the volunteering okay. career volunteering so come again three ag- again so amateurism hobbies and and volunteer Action, yeah, volunteerism. So E H, sorry, uh, right. Now again, all these three are serious leisures, right? Yeah. So again, so in this conversation, when somebody says, "What are your hobbies?" When I'm speaking about somebody says, "Oh, I'm watching Netflix," because that's just like a casual, yeah, leisure. It's not a one-time thing of baking a cake once a year. Yeah, right. <laughs> that's a one one-time project. Right. Sorry for sorry for the aside. But just because of what you just said now, I just imagined like, you know, the form. Some people always like, when they ask you what your office is. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just like, you cannot be the ass that then you're like, well, actually, there are three types of... (laughs) 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 Because that's something I could potentially do in a conversation. So that's where your hobbies are. You're like, well, which one are you talking about? Because hobbies represent one category. According to a podcast that I listen to, represents one category (laughs) of of serious leisure. Carry on. 
I mean, it's a good point you're making, but I don't think we'll, I don't think anybody. I don't think I'll advise that in conversation yeah. with anybody. I think what is, what what I'm learning from what I read from this is that depending on your audience, when you're asked about hobbies, your hobbies, know which part of the framework you're going to talk about. Yeah, because I think like when you're talking to people who are more professional or people who you want to maybe I'll say impress. I don't know. Mm. It's, it's it's better to lean on serious leisures. Yeah. That, that lean on casual leisures. Fair point. Because, so because serious, serious leisures have the longevity, they show the perseverance, and they tend to evoke Cross more traits. of... Yeah, and you can... Exactly. Yeah. So I think this is benefit to one of this framework is that if you, if you, when you think about everything you like to do mm-hmm. and you categorize whether they fall under casual leisures, whether they fall under Hobbies. project leisures okay. or serious leisures, yeah. if your serious leisures are lacking... Maybe maybe let's up that game now. Because that's the part of the pool that gives you that leisure um ammunition. Yeah. Okay. Whether, whether in an interview, whether on a dating file, dating yeah. app. Yeah. Whatever 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 it is. All right. So just to make sure I'm tracking with you. So we're saying there are three types of leisures. There's casual, there's project based, and there's um, serious. Serious. And then on that serious, we have the amateurs. The hobbyists yep. and yep. the volunteer volunteers. Actions. Okay. Yeah. All right. Now again, these are not these amateur hobbies and volunteer. They're not, they're not types of things you can do. They're just categories of things that you can do, which we we'll get into. Yeah. Okay. So for the casuals, which is type of leisure, we've talked about examples. Yeah. Right. Like just watching Netflix. Mm-hmm. For the project, we talk about examples of activities on that, like yeah. just making a cake once yeah. in six months for your birthday. But serious. for the serious. Before we talk about types, there's three categories under serious, which is the amateurism, hobbyist, and the volunteerism. Volunteerism. Yeah. So now with the amateurism, why this one? Why this one was annoying to see was because <laughs> I felt because it was the first one I read, I was like, this is not that deep. But then I then began to realize that actually it's making sense, and here's mm-hmm. why. So like when I read about amateurism um, as a serious leisure, it looks it's it's things that we do that can end up in professional but we choose not to lives but we choose mm. not to either because we can't um we don't want to mm. or or we cannot fair right and this will often involve things in the arts and the sciences sports in, in the in the in sports and entertainment yeah right and, and it's often because of a strong appeal that would depend mm. on where you are in the world i guess mm. Mm. right now, again, the benefits of this type of leisure spring from the refusal to remain a player, a mm. dabbler, or a novice, right? So you enjoy uh, because you are saying that, okay, I'm not going to go pro. Yeah. Right? So that's why you're enjoying it. You're enjoying this one because you're like, I'm not going pro. I just want to remain a player, a dabbler, into yeah. it, or a novice. Yeah. Right? I'm not taking it seriously. So when... So, for example, if you're somebody who likes to do... Okay, cycling. Cycling is a good example. Cycling. That's a fantastic one, right? Yeah. Perhaps the benefit of... The durable benefit of your cycling is that you're not trying to enter a cycling competition. Yeah. Right? So, when you you see those guys, you don't feel like you've missed out on life. You don't feel like you're jealous. You don't feel anything. The joys Mm. of it come in the refusal to remain a player. Yeah. Right? Mm. And... Instead, the activity is kind of transformed into 
into an avocation. I'm not sure what that word is, mm. but, it, but it came to my head. Um, that is like, in which like you are motivated, you to be motivated by seriousness and commitment to cycling. Yeah. Right. And, and, that's, how, that, and that's what makes your cycling as, a, as an amateurist leisure tra- transform itself because mm-hmm. you're committed to it, and you're serious with it, which is why it becomes that durable leisure with, with benefits. Yeah. Even though you know that you're not going to become an active player at it, mm. um, you just want to remain a dabbler or a novice mm. or an amateur player. Yeah. Right. Perhaps, perhaps the same with boxing. boxing I, free, I have yeah. people who are telling me that I mean, that was quite funny because I think they were they were telling me these things because obviously they don't know boxing them, like that. Yeah, yeah. Right. But me knowing boxing, I know that this is crazy talk. <laughs> but but yeah. but but I appreciate it. Yeah. I have people so telling me when like I was good. like yeah. 20, 28 that like, oh yeah, we should, I think you should try doing boxing like Full like time. maybe like more more. I'm like, yeah. uh sir, I'm twenty-eight <laughs> years old. Um I would get smashed up every, every fight because people have been fighting for fifteen years. Yeah. And they are still amateurs. Yeah. And I'm starting at 28, 27, 26, whatever. Yeah. Uh, no thanks. Mm. <laughs> no thanks. So yeah. I think if you're in this category, if you wanna if if you want to, if you're if you're in some kind of leisure activity that you like doing that falls under the amateurist category of, of a serious leisure. Yeah. If you f- begin to feel that you want to go into it like as a pro. Yeah. Make money from it, then you already technically begin to lose the pleasures from that amateurist leisure activity. Mm. Doesn't doesn't mean you shouldn't go pro if you can. If you can, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, I don't know what your craft is, but it just means that that's the that's the line between the leisure and yeah. as as Tommy said, your leisure or hobbies dying. Yeah, becoming a side right? hustle, like converting them into side hustle. Exactly. Small exactly. sidetrack. You know, I was just thinking, based on this age that we mentioned, just what you said with boxing and becoming 28 and not being able to dive in. I feel like when these things were still in their nascent stages, age wasn't that big a factor as much as it is now. Because if you think mm. about football, if you think about football, yeah. I don't think everybody's doing Project Mbappe now where you see like a two-year-old yeah. toddler in ball manipulating the ball and things like that. I feel like that's because the industry has become so defined and so yep. officialized or whatever that word is that it's institutionalized you know, institutionalized exactly yeah and so now you know it becomes a thing where you can start to chase it earlier on right exactly i feel like you know and maybe this is a transition that happens to hobbies and let's say casual leisures that sort of gain some kind of external appeal where beyond the person that is in it there's like an audience and there's a monetary capacity behind it because YouTube, for example, I think a lot of YouTubers that are really popular today are hobbyists. Like they started off as hobbyists and things like mm. that. But now, you know, you almost have to have a strategy to get into YouTube because yeah. there's yeah. just that yeah. institution yeah. around it. Yeah. And yeah. I find I find it sad, to be fair, because I wrote there one of my points I wrote in there was just and I mentioned this on different episodes and different things, but just the capitalistic nature of the world that we live in, where almost everything tends towards it has to be making money or whatnot. And once money gets involved, it just rids it of a lot of the traditional or default joy that would come for just doing the activity just because, right? And it's something that I struggle with a lot because particularly if you like to do multiple things and you enjoy multiple things, you now start to try to justify that, oh, but I could be spending the same time doing something that gets me money. So 
you know, if this thing that I'm doing has the potential to get money and I'm not using it to get money, then you kind of like feel like maybe I shouldn't be doing it at all. Mm, and you now find mm. people like reduce themselves into. And funny enough, if you, if we keep doing that, I imagine like it's a wild world, but even simple things that seem fun can easily start to become things that people start to put money on top of. Maybe some things are harder to do that with like maybe reading, but you know, people read for, for work, you know, what like the wild ones are the things that they convert into fun things and competitions in the US. The US is known for that. And this is my theory of the capitalistic, whatever, like they're Excel competitions, like how quickly can you do things on Excel and their leaderboards and they've, they've kind of gamified it, really? but they've turned, yeah, bro. Wow. There's so Speak. many, so many, exa- like any small thing becomes a competition and becomes some kind of thing around it. And I'm just like, bro, I guess it's better than fighting like in the arena. But you know what it is as well? You, I mean, you made, you made a very good point because what you're saying is essentially that a lot of hobbies, leisure activities that the world is, the world people involved in this world yeah. are taking on, sometimes beginning with innocence mm-hmm. out of pure love for it, but at some point seeing opportunity or there's a thirst to gain money from it. Yeah. And then they begin to try and plug into those where they can gain money to it. Mm-hmm. Whether as one person who's starting a YouTube channel or as a group of people who've seen <laughs> an activity like, like Excel sheets or tag chasing and let's say, let's yeah. make a competition out of it. Mm-hmm. Right. So there's definitely that capitali- capitalism element in there. But one thing as well that's, that I think is also even hard to measure is this social media world. Because, and I think Stebbins made a very good point about this, which I would actually refer to now. Stebbins made a quote where he said, I mean, this, he didn't speak about social media because this was before his time. Yeah. But I think towards the end of 1996 or the early 2000s, Stebbins said that we are in an age where the quest for spectator and sensual diversion mm. dominate the world of leisure. Mm. and when i saw that i was like holy freaking crap that's an important point because Mm. a lot of us do things now myself included oh not lying not lying even Mm. me as well i do things when i know there's an audience no or was that an and or or i do things with a quest of an audience yeah and that is a whole new world of carrying out leisure and hobbies mm. if we're always questing for an audience or spectators because then we are then doing entertainment mm. which is why i've actually <laughs> been saying in my head that everyone on tiktok is a movie producer a script writer <laughs> and some kind of actor yeah we're all now in world of, we're all now working everybody's working so everybody <laughs> so on tiktok is working no, but if you think about it, like it's all like individual mini tiny studios that were plugging up on our accounts called mm. TikTok or called Instagram Reels. They were trying mm. to get an audience for. Mm. And and my own product is just a version of short 15 second, 20 second um, products. Yeah. But we're all now producers in the in the in the, in the, movie, in, in the industry of entertainment. Content creators. Even oh. when I even when we tweet, even when I make a joke on something. Like, mm. like when I make a joke on the train the other mm. day, I was I knew I knew it was funny when I when I when I sent it out. <laughs> yeah. yeah, right. So we're all now. I mean, that's a different topic. But this statement quote really really stuck my head. It stuck in my head in terms of we're all now in the age where there's a quest for spectators and sensual diversion, and this mm. is dominating our world of leisure, which means you can't do leisure now without an audience. Yeah. And I think it still ties back to the capitalism point because right it now, does. what's, what's because, very valuable... Because, 
It's audience it's, it's and audience. attention. Yeah. Because audience and attention is what you convert into currency. <sighs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, but this just validates like certain feelings that I, that I've had and all of that. Um, but I don't know where you want to take this next because I, I no. I, I, let me. Yeah. And let me continue with the, uh, let me just finish off the remaining two, because I'm talking about hobbies and volunteer action. Okay, let's um, do that. So back to our, our framework of leisure. So we, just to recap, leisures can be categorized into three types, casual leisures, project-based leisures, and serious leisures. Yeah. Casual leisures are things that you just do randomly, as we've mentioned before. Project-based leisures are temporary, one-time leisures, usually activities. Mm. And our serious leisures are categorized into three further categories, which is amateurism, which is spoken about already, hobbies, pursuits, and volunteer actions. Yeah. Now, for your hobbies, pursuits, now, hobbies, pursuits, from what I read from Stebbins' work, um, it does kind of relate to amateurs mm-hmm. um, because they're also serious about their commitments to their endeavors. And they can also feel no, no obligation to engage in it. Mm. Right. But I think in, in, in terms of a hobby, a hobby is, in, in hobbies pursuit, they're not dabblers, or they're not people aiming, aiming aimlessly at doing something mm. as temporary diversion, right? So I think hob- hobbies and amateurisms are quite similar. But mm. perhaps what kind of differs them is just that with the hobbies, there's no link to the professional world mm. for the most part. Yeah. Right. Um, it still has the same feeling around your amateurism because you do it without, uh, you do it with seriousness and commitment and, of course, dedication. Yeah. If you know obligation to do it all the time, if you don't want to do it. But the big difference is that there's no link to a professional world. Direct enough for Direct. everyone to. So, yeah. Because, yeah. so for, for example, so for hobbies now, you hobbies involve um, collectors Co- collecting yeah, I was things. Say that. Yeah. Um, making things or tinkering with things, mm. um, participating in activities, yeah, and sports and games. I just found right. there's another example, right? So I don't know if anyone oh. has seen this show called Easy on next on Netflix, but it's like an anthology, so a different collection of short stories. But they try to all the characters are connected in a very minor way, like it's not a big deal. But you just start to see familiar characters on different stories. But the point is, there was there were two brothers. And they used to make beer as a hobby. And then they eventually started to sell it. And they just wanted to go big. But one brother was very much like into the whole hobby nature of things and didn't like the fact that there was mm. a lot of business pressure. You know, the market was demanding mm. for a certain kind of beer and wanted to make something different. So it was more like a craftsman. And then that brother was like thinking venues, business, volumes, value, frequency, all of those sorts of things. And they tried to like make it work together, but it led to a lot of tension. Um, but just as we were talking about, you know, the hobbies thing, I think even some activities, we said there's no direct link, but sometimes even hobbies can get influenced by, you know, some of ab- these. Ab- like, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. And which is why, because your, your hobbies are also serious leisures, so yeah. they can be transferred into opportunities air, yeah. to become um, economically viable. Yeah. And whether that's by somebody pushing you, whether that's by mm. you realizing there's a market for it, whether by, whether, what, it could also be, be because maybe you, if your hobby involves making something, you're already in market of production. Yeah. Um, in some mm-hmm. kind of way. I mean, production of tangible products, right? If you yeah. if you like um collecting okay, for example, there's somebody um who I work with, 
beers in France. He likes to collect um, beer bottle labels. Okay. I think he said he has about maybe over a hundred, for example. Yeah. Now, I, I don't know what world a weed that can be valuable. Maybe it can. I, yeah. I don't know. But so far, so good. There's yeah. no market for that. Yeah. But, he, but he enjoys doing it. Yeah. Now, let's say in about five years, there's now some kind of industry that collects beer stamp bottles because oh, it's all an the beer have been Maybe it comes, a, it comes a thing that goes antique. in the art gallery and whatnot. And My guy can sell knows. it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, because hobbies are things... I think this is this is it. This is actually it. Everything that a human being does, I put sweat, time, knowledge into, can produce something of value. Mm. Whether it's value by a product that you have, collection, yeah. one thing. Whether it's value by, by entertainment, people watching you. Mm. Whether it's value by what you can deliver intangibly. Mm. I think natural consequence of putting time, effort, and sweat into something, Expect hobby or work, has, has potential for value. Mm. So I think that formula always puts our hobbies and leisure at risk. I don't know if it's risk or, no, not risk. Exposure. At opportunity. Yeah, for, <laughs> it's an opportunity. Opportunity for um, economic viability. Yeah. I think it's also, it's also because time is, some of those things that we've mentioned are finite. Sorry. And even, even, even if you gain skills yeah. through your hobbies, that's still, um, that can still transform into economic viability. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So the thought I was making is like, I think because time is also finite, right? And so yes. it's like, even if you don't want to place value on it, it's the fact that it's a limited resource and you can spend it doing something else, else. that gains money. The opportunity cost already places pressure on what that hobby is. But like another thought I had was, think back to the days of Da Vinci, all of these guys, you know, the reason why they had patrons and all of those sorts of things was because a lot of the things that they were doing, they were kind of hobbyists, like trying to discover these new adventures or make things happen. Maybe at some point there was a potential for, or you see a problem and if I can solve it, it can lead to all of those sorts mm -hmm. of other things. But even if you think about Oppenheimer, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but a lot of the scientists and things that they brought together, like to make the bomb and whatnot, they were all in their own, I guess you could call them like hobbies in a kind of way, the things that they were passionate about in the science field. But then at some point, they laid a demand on all of that to work on this very big project where obviously, you know, all of that happens. But I don't mm -hmm. know. Maybe it's just the way we're orientated as like humans and, and all those sorts of things. But no, yeah. I, I, think, I think it goes back to your point of society's engine has shifted from the days of um, your Da Vinci's and yeah. your Leonardo's. Yeah. Leonardo's. Is that the same person? Um, that's the same person. <laughs> person. <laughs> Just throwing in any Italian name any out there. Any Italian name out there. Because <laughs> <laughs> I was and like, wait. an ancient um, seminal painter. <laughs> oh, my days. Screw I'm embarrassed by that. That's a carry Because I cut it. We cut thank, it. So that, thank, that's thank the... You, the yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Um, But I guess in those days, like, you were not under pressure of capitalism and productivity that yeah. we are under now. Like, 
Productivity is even a, a, a topic Bruh. that sells <laughs> itself. How to be more productive. How to become more like a machine. Yeah. And why is that? Because we some of us just kind of have to because to make ends meet or to make mm-hmm. your to make your ends meet to, I think what I was going to say instead of that but yeah. to make your ends meet you you want to increase your value of your possessions because yeah. that's what the world has said will keep you safe and secure mm. so in, in doing that you're putting all your finite time as you said into things that you believe would give you that and sometimes hobbies don't necessarily feel like they're going to give you that and you're like why do I need my time that I have free I want to rest mm. And again, because hobbies are also cultural as well, mm. even though I've, mm. I've not really explored this properly, but co- I know hobbies are also cultural as well. Yeah. There's also an element of the fact that that doesn't make sense grammatically, element of the fact that that's wrong. There's, there's an element in play whereby if you were born in a certain society that has a certain culture of things, surely the hobbies that you can pick up that you can see are based on perhaps what you've perceived in your environment either mm. consistently or at, at a snapshot mm. in time or perhaps through media from a tv that exposes you to other worlds other cultures yeah, yeah. right but i think hobbies they pick up are based on things around you right mm. which 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 is actually asking the question of how do humans develop hobbies and find hobbies mm. but we'll, we'll, we'll come back to that after this let me just finish this framework and sort of finish yeah. it. so the final one under your serious um, leisure activities is career volunteering, which is quite straightforward. Um, it's like work actions that you take for reasons besides the economic benefits. Mm. You know, so 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 it's not for self preservation. It's not for economic benefit. It's not for it's not for because you're coerced to do it. Yeah, it's not for psychological need. It's just because of an altruistic desire. Mm. Number one, and second aspect is because that. Um, you're also doing tasks that are dedicated to you by people who are above you, but not in a formal order. Mm. If that makes sense, because you're, you're, if you're volunteering, you're probably volunteering with an organization who you probably have someone to report to, but you're all generally working together for a collective good. Yeah. Um. So volunteer actions again is also a very very serious leisure, but obviously not as common as you find your your hobbies and. F- your, funny enough, I think actually if you think about faith, Christian faith and yep. um serving in church i think yep. that i think volunteering is quite strong there um so yep yep, yep. that is true that is true and that to be true. friends in school it always became a thing of you know serving in 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 church and all of that versus going to read and study for exams so always again balancing that whole tension in that space so i think yeah i think people are very familiar with if you think about it in terms of like religious communities that we are all a part of or most of us are a part of i think that helps you see that volunteer side of things yeah, yeah, that's a good point. So, although some people, just on. to mention, obviously, there are some churches that pay their musicians and their choirs, and so the people that yeah. are on staff, even in the volunteer space. So, again, <sighs> yeah, yeah, carry yeah, on. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, we've looked at this framework of leisure and where hobbies fit into this, and I think this is beneficial for a couple of reasons that we've already mentioned. Um, I think it helps you understand what things that you like to do outside of your work. Yeah, in quotes. And where does that sit in? If you're ranking very highly on the casual leisure, perhaps you should explore more what kind of serious leisures can you have? Because mm. I feel like everyone should have some kind of serious leisures. Um, I genuinely feel that way. Yeah. I, mean, I think casual leisures 
come and go with your environment and the times you're living in. But short leisures are what stay in, and they can be obviously opportunistic depending on what you do with them and they crave value for you and for others around you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess the framework between those three kind of leisures, casual, project-based and serious, helps you understand where you fall into. But also yeah. helps us understand the debates around leisures and hobbies and Side taking hustles. hobbies into economic viability and how our capitalistic world, which again, I'm all for, mm-hmm. um, because, because, the, because the alternative is worse. Um, a capitalistic world enables certain aspects that are not really great, that make lo- humans lose their desire for play and desire for hobbies without an expectation. Or maybe people reverse engineering hobbies from what can, what can I bring what can bring money and let me let, let that become my hobby. Yeah. Um, Funny enough, I think like that also feeds into that or find your passion um, conversation because people tell you to find your passion so that work doesn't feel like work. But passions tend to lean towards like hobbies and leisure things that you want to do. And then, so almost like the whole passion merchant vibe is almost putting you on that hobby to side hustle um, yeah, yeah, kind of yeah. vibe. Yeah. Just another yeah. side and, and, and even the passion merchant vibe thing, it's, it's, it's just, for me, it just sounds good. Like, sounds good as, as, as like a nice dish. Yeah. Just good words. But it doesn't really, it has never really meant much to me because everybody has to work, man. Mm. And sometimes, like, you, you can only function with the times you live in. Yeah. Um, so, finding your passion. Mm-hmm. For example, when I looked up um, hobbies on YouTube, if you look up hobbies on YouTube, anyone listening, the first thing you probably see, out of, out of your top 20 results, mm-hmm. you're probably going to see at least 10 that talk about people telling you what hobbies you should engage in. Yeah. Which I found as a weird... <laughs> perhaps, perhaps paradoxical statement because yeah imagine creative videos tell people what hobbies to do mm. so then is it that hobbies now exist as a function of um activities that we should find and stick to or we find all hobbies and, and leisure activities almost by serendipity and by yeah, yeah. by an alignment with who we truly are Exactly, exactly. Yeah, that, that's a good point. And I, I think that's something, generally, maybe because, maybe the question is, if you, weren't, if you weren't preparing for this video, how likely is it for you to have fallen into that YouTube search of what kind of hobbies can I engage in? Like, just yeah, curious. Very, right? very unlikely. Exactly. So I was going to say, like, I feel like there are certain kind of people that seem to fall into that space where, they have to go like look for things that they could call hobbies. Maybe people that would maybe it's an environment, culture, background, whatnot. They've just been boxed into seeing things in a certain way, and so they need inspiration for things that could be potential hobbies. But mm. like you, I find it a bit awkward. Which then goes to the question of of how are hobbies formed naturally? Formed. Yeah, and this is what I was going to get to because I feel like for me and you, or for people like us, it tends to come from like an internal like interest that we have. Right. If I think of the different, I guess, hobbies or activities that I do that are not primarily like economic in nature, um, mm. podcasting, for example, we've we've said this origin story a lot of times. We would jump on calls, share different articles, and just have thoughts about things. But we didn't always just want to be consuming. We wanted to also like be putting stuff out there because it helps us process our own sense making, whatever better. You know, when it comes to you know piano and you know, music for me, 
I like mm-hmm. music. I like consuming music. And there was a thing of, oh, I might be able to create my own kind of music as well. And trying to find out the things that would help me do that. So that led me into like beat making and things like that. Or I started off on the keyboard and I saw the guitar as a cool, cool instrument, right? Um, that I liked the sound of and, you know, ventured into that. Um, cycling. I've always had bicycles all my life, right? And something I joined in as a kid. And I saw, oh, there's a way to maybe take it to the next level. Like, it was first, let me get a bicycle to commute, right? Which was as an adult. And then someone says, oh, a group ride happens every Saturday. You know, follow them for the group ride and realized, oh, wow, like, this is... Like, I've thought about riding wide distances, but I never really took action towards it. But then events orchestrated themselves, and I found myself in a community like that. But within the community, there were also different levels of people, people that were very casual with it, and people that were trying to be, like, amateurs, and people that were trying to be pros, you know, eventually. Um, and you know, I, I, I fell into, I fell into the group that I fell into. What else is there? Um, Kizumba, right. Dancing, dancing has always been a part of my life and all of those sorts of things went from being a part of like hip hop dance groups and whatnot into trying to find social dances and led me to Kizumba and, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated with that. But yeah, so I, I think long and short hobbies have come from, I guess, within association and just general interest that I've had, um, so far. How about you? I honestly, don't, I honestly don't don't know what my hobbies are. So sorry, guys, for disappointing. I've given you a long guy. speech about this guy about this hobbies guy. From, the, from the academic literature, but this I don't guy. know what my hobbies are. Boxing is boxing going to the gym. No, but um, writing. Do, do boxing. I don't. I don't box anymore. I can. I, if I want, if I want to box right now, I can. Yeah. I know gyms I can go to, but I'm not doing it because a, it's it's going to change my daily Workouts. routine and cost me yeah. more time. Yeah. Um, it will cost me more money, mm. um, because I'm, I'm paying for two gyms potentially. Mm. Um, mm. for some mm. other reason. Now, if it was really a hobby that I really loved with all my life doing, fair enough. I probably will. But then, yeah. I mean, um, I've heard my friend tell me that maybe because I don't feel as settled yet, which is a very good point. Mm. Um, because whenever. Whenever I get a chance to box, like if someone if like someone I know at the gym, um, well the one time there's a guy I knew at the gym said, Oh, like we should box together, I, I got really I got really, I got really excited. Right? Yeah. Yeah. The next day I, and I, I packed my, my bags and my pads <laughs> and my gloves. I was I was I was skipping my steps to the gym. Um even now that's why I'm struggling to pack to London because I'm packing freaking gloves. boxing pads. <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um so definitely, I definitely enjoy it, which is why mm. whenever the moments, moments do it, it emerges, my, my joy kind of rises up. Um, but I'm not doing it regularly, so I don't know how to phrase that as a hobby terminology because I feel like if I do that, then I'm almost like lying. Mm. Um, so I won't call it a serious leisure because I'm not doing that. So maybe it's casual leisure for me right now Yeah. Um, when I get a chance, but it does make me happy. Because um, serious leisure will mean I'm doing regularly like you do cycling. Mm. Which so, I don't do as regularly anymore because I'm now more in the gym, but I still cycle to the gym, but carry on. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. So honestly, I think like you guys, one of my goals for next year is to figure out new hobbies um, because I'm, 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 I don't know what my hobbies Would really you call are. the podcast a hobby? No. Interesting. I don't know what's called. Maybe, maybe, because it's, maybe because podcast is a new kind of media form, but What's the activity here that falls under the hobby category? Because it, it, it's, definitely not, it's definitely not amateurism. It's, the, it's definitely not the amateurism part because they're the professional 
there is. Like, I feel like having hosting a radio show, hosting a talk show, and they are like professional podcasts that do this on a very extreme mm. level of production, right? It's like someone making indie films, right? So, like, people make films for film school or just as as a hobby, put stuff together. Um, and then some people take it very seriously. Some people make that transition as well. So, I don't know. I feel I- like a podcast. And I feel like it's beyond like what, what what we call devotee work. And devotee work is one thing I didn't mention among the framework because it's the last one and it was very boring. But <laughs> I think devotee work is probably where I'll put this under. Mm. Um, even though I don't know what it really, really is defined as. But I think looking looking at devotee work it involves things like liberal professions, okay, some Politics. some skilled trades, some small businesses. Yeah. Um now, it looks like devotee work, though, does bring in, it's, it's, it is done for an economic transaction. Mm. So, which, which this is not. So, maybe it's not really devotee work. So maybe you're right. Maybe this is a kind of amateur like hobby, amateur so, leisure. So, another way to think I don't about know, it. I've not thought about it that way. So, another way to think about it is maybe not in the final form of this, but look at the building blocks that leads up to an actual podcast episode. Are there things within that that you actually enjoy doing and look forward to? Like, you know, Oh I yeah, know. but like, is can you put the idea of someone who likes reading about problems as as a hobby? It's it's it's, it's kind of. I think it's, so. It's kind of uh interesting I, to. I think, that, so. I think so. I think so. Like, you know, people that that like keeping fun facts in their head or trivia and things like that. Like, they also fall into a class of hobbies. Like, you know, um, some people know some very interesting things that. I don't necessarily, I think that will make them money, but maybe in some way, shape, or form, they go into a competition and they're the best trivia person there because yeah. of the category. So, um, I think like the the things that I love doing, but I don't do them enough. To call it a hobby, what's a hobby. the framework for? I can call what? it a hobby, but I feel like I'm lying to myself. For example, <laughs> let I me like, give you like okay, yeah. finish. Tell, tell no, me because for, for example, I like like play music like. With my DJ set, if I have some time, or just on myself. Yeah. Right. And I like look, looking for music and like creating playlists. Mm-hmm. Just that entire, just that entire vibe. But I don't do that every single time, you know. Okay, so I feel like the time thing is not necessarily something I've seen as a requirement for something to be a hobby. So, um, I I, I watched a video. I think it was a TEDx video, or whatnot. And the person gave three questions for your hobbies to make sure that they fall in the right or right enough you know, channel. And number one is, are you learning something new? Um, number two is, does it entail some kind of risk? Um, and number three, does it include aspiration and goals? I feel like this is a kind of, like, I didn't actually agree with all the questions. Um, okay. Interesting. But the first, yeah, but the first, the first question, are you learning something new? Was a strong enough one for me to call something like a hobby, right? Um, okay. So, okay. So, so based on, okay. N- n- well, not based on that, but based yeah. on that and based on actually what you said, yeah. Definitely, the podcast falls under the serious leisure category. Category, or, yeah. So I'll say this is my only serious leisure category. Mm. And everything is probably my casual leisures. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and maybe, and maybe, maybe, maybe you, maybe you just need one or two serious leisures. Exactly, because you can only do one or two. Because I'm to. Some people turn the number of leisures they have into competition as well, and then it becomes another thing. But yeah. another thing I don't think we touched on, I don't know if you know, there's more you want to speak, but kind of like the guilt of, I guess the guilt of having hobbies 
um, in a sort of way. Like I wrote it here as the guilt. I wrote it here as the guilt of work-life balance, right? Because again, the conversation around hobbies, depending on who you're speaking to, gets framed in that work-life balance, you know, conversation as well, right? You know, so you're working, but you need life to balance it out, which is like family, hobbies, all of those sorts of things. But, you know, I think sometimes people feel guilty when they spend time doing the things that they enjoy and like, but don't have monetary implications because obviously we've said time is finite. Energy sometimes is finite. So, you know, if everybody in your group is spending two hours, you know, doing something productive, quote unquote, and then you, you're here saying, yeah, "Yeah, I'm doing leisure activities. Right. So, um, yeah. So maybe the question here is, Maybe you can answer it because you're saying you don't have a lot of hobbies or maybe leisure activity. What leisure activity? You, you do do leisure activities, right? So let's forget about hobbies and focus on leisure for you. Um, how do you manage the guilt of leisure in this day and age? Or you don't I have don't, any guilt? I don't, I don't really have... No, I know exactly what you mean. It's a very, um, it's a very good point. I think, I think, I've, I think I've had that guilt at some point even with the podcast i'm not gonna lie like mm. there's a time when i was there's the, like 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 there's some tasks that i'm doing that maybe surprisingly maybe on some some bad days particularly or some long days mm. and i'm doing a task for the podcast and it's just taking me times four times mm. that don't normally take me i'm just like <laughs> it's taking me over an hour i can do something in this hour what's going on yeah. Right. Maybe it's like writing a caption, for example. Maybe it's like um trying to think of 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 a guest for something. Yeah. It could be any kind of podcast that any kind of topic, any kind of task that will probably take me X time. Yeah. But some days take me four X. I'm thinking, oh God damn it, you know. So mm-hmm. that guilt definitely comes about then. Um, but it's only because I think we're always equating time with Money. current or potential value. Yeah. Right, mm. whether it's the value for money, value for skills that will get you more money, mm. value for experience that you can show to the world to bring you more money, um, is always around around along those lines because I'm thinking that okay, what could I be doing this time? No, but actually, mm-hmm. the one thing that I'll say that I don't feel guilty about that thing that, that that takes my time too much actually is when I'm having dinner and I'm watching a TV show and I'm having dinner. <laughs> See, I don't care what's happening in my life, oh. I don't care whether <laughs> the house is burning down. I don't care what's going on in my life, but after I've gotten home from the work or the gym and I'm ha- and I made my food and I'm having my dinner. Yeah. That one hour time is my time of what I call everything is okay in life. <laughs> yeah. And that's one time whereby I forget about everything, which is why funny enough, like whenever I say, "Oh, and I'll, and I'll do this task during that dinner time where I like to just chill and watch TV or something. I'm always angry that I'm doing the task. <laughs> it's your, your, sanct- your, like, your exactly. sanctified time. So, yeah. so, so I, I think maybe there's sometimes where I don't feel guilty when I'm like, I mm. put time for, for relaxation, perhaps if I want to call this that. Yeah. Um, but but sometimes that guilt definitely comes in when some things take longer. Um, but I guess that's why the amateurs and the hobbies persevere. Mm. Right. So if you're feeling guilty and you stop, the guilt comes because you think it's something else you should be doing. But I guess if it's a real amateurist 
pleasure pursuit or a hobbies pursuit or volunteer pursuit. You persevere. You're, you're doing it for an for an internal intris, intrinsic reason mm. that mm. that the world should not shape for you. Yeah. And 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 the potential outcome should not be, you know. I mean, the, this the, this podcast is a is a great example. I, I can't reference that enough. Like, yeah, there is no. <laughs> I've not one day. I mean, I know, I know, I know. Spoken about it a couple of times, like three, four yeah. times in the last three years. But I've actually not one day sent a letter to somebody to say, "Oh, come on, sponsor us." us. I think mm. if I was that driven for money <clears throat> from the podcast, I probably would have tried that. Yeah, because I've probably had a few ideas I could have tried. I'm spoken about it credit, but we've never actually taken being so driven to find those kinds of things because again, that's not the purpose. It's yeah, yeah, potentially, but also like. The it didn't start as as that as a reason for that, mm-hmm. but also I guess everything we do here is is extreme is ridiculous natural mm. for me and for you. It's ridiculous natural, like breaking down complex topics. This does not make my brain tired mm. in any way. Mm. This does this does not make it me feel, feel like, like work. Yeah, like if I read if I read three four articles, I don't I don't feel exhausted in. If I mm. transfer content, if I digest things, it's not for me. It's not like I'm dying inside. I'm just, mm. it's just, it's just mm. like I've taken a walk. Mm. Mm. So, and I guess it, it's good. I'm using my strengths. Yeah. Or part of my strengths and you are, you are as well. So maybe that's an under quality of what makes a serious leisure mm. much more viable in, the, in, an, in an era of capitalistic distractions. Yeah. You know where you say, well, okay, if it's actually working with your natural strength and natural inclination, then maybe, mm. based on my based on my experience, maybe that eases the pressure of the guilt yeah. that comes. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe, but I mean, like we have these different categories of leisure. I think if we can find where we fit into each of them and find things that truly matter to you, um, I think there's ways to avoid that guilt. To be honest, there's mm. ways. But I mean, the guilt is definitely ever present now more than ever. Yeah, that's true. Now more than ever, and and if and if it's not guilt, it is just a internal pressure to show the world what you're doing. Mm. Right, based Going on what we audience. spoke about earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You know. Um. So maybe I'll share my quick thoughts here, and then we can maybe tie this up. So for me, I think. It's very interesting because I've always lived my life a bit fluid when it comes to work and life. Right, because some of the things that I that give me passion and give me joy and whatnot, you know, there tends to be some value in it if you look at it from from a different point of view. Um, and I genuinely enjoy things like that. Like productivity for some people feels like work and having to do all of those things, but I genuinely get excited by seeing how to like convert something into like a process or product or Mm, something. mm. Right. So it's a very, so for me, it's always from this weird balance where, you know, everything I can, some of the things that I could, a lot of things I can do in some way, shape or form, you can go and monetize it in some kind of way. But I, because I always have this tension of this capitalistic thing in my head, like I always just seem to shy away from that. Or maybe it's just because your opportunity hasn't come. Cause for example, if by the time we dropped the podcast, if it was that the first episode we dropped, like one million people listened and everybody, I don't say one million people came back the next time. I guess it will create some kind of pressure to serve that purpose and see, okay, how can we convert these one million people into, into mm, these yeah, kinds of yeah, things, right? So yeah. maybe there's also that, that element there. You're going to say something? Yeah, but I think one thing not to forget, two things not to forget. 
or two things to think of is or maybe two questions is one is it's not always a bad thing if your hobbies naturally convert into economic value. Yeah. I think if that happens, then fuck yeah, like good. Mm. You know, like great, good for you. If you're somebody who, whatever you do, I don't know what it is. I can't think of anybody, but I know there's people who, there's people who generally love to make cakes. Like, they generally mm. love to make cakes and bake. Like, since maybe number 10. Mm. And they just talk, and they just say, you know what, I'm just going to keep doing this. Thing. And it makes them money. Yeah. I think that's fine. I think that's absolutely, I mean, you, you have moving near to the Ikigai people center <laughs> kind of um, business. Yeah. So that's good. Yeah. I think the danger we're talking about is when your casual hobby is being, you're, you're reverse engineering it mm. kind of to suit Serve capitalistic. Yeah. 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 But also perhaps the other point to raise when you said about your aversion is that it could also be that maybe sometimes because not every capitalistic pursuit would, re- would give you returns. Mm. So maybe it could be that some things that you try to do through your hobbies, so sometimes you try to make money through your hobbies, doesn't work out. Maybe it then begins to reflect bad on the hobbies for mm. the person. As so maybe there's to, that yeah. like hobby betrayal mm. that can happen that maybe might change how you might feel about the hobby in the first mm. place. Mm. So that could either create an aversion to taking your hobbies into making money because you're like, if this fails, it would then leave that bad taste. Yeah. That bad taste. So that could also be a possibility. Um, I don't know. Many questions there, but I'm not really sure. Um, <laughs> but one thing I think we should talk about before we go is uh of course attraction. Um, what hobbies do you think are attractive for this is a classic this is a classic YouTube question. <laughs> um for both sexes, really, men and women. Mm. I've never thought of it that way. I mean, and back in the day, what did you put on your dating apps? In terms of like what I like to do, just ah, like God, cycling. Like, like, and what I've even put on my on my my profile if I was if I was if you're if like you're still in that game. What yeah. I put, I put, okay, no, no, I put, no, 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 no. I I put some stuff. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I put cycling, Kizumba, Formula One, football. That's pretty good. Um, podcasting. Um, making music, playing the instruments. There was there was a bunch of yeah. I How many I don't. Do you I, have? I have a, I don't know. Like for me, I, I just picked the ones I wanted the vibe I wanted to put based on the vibe I was trying to put out. But I have quite a bit of things that I'm interested in and bring me joy at the different points in time in which I do them. So yeah, that my challenges. I'm trying to figure out what my challenges when it comes to work life balance. I think it's, I guess balancing. I don't even know, or not. I don't know. Not finding joy in work. Maybe <laughs> I don't know if that's a, a thing. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I feel like I. I don't know if it's a mental thing that I need to process, but sometimes I derive too much. I feel like I derive too much pleasure from some kinds of work where when I tell people about the things I'm doing and spending my time, they're like, bro, don't you like chill? Um, but for me, I don't see it as, yeah. I don't, I don't, and, you know, even within the podcast, within the content of the podcast, there are things that I end up trying to do and you're like, bro, like why? You understand? Like, you know, that's taking you too much yeah, time, those sort I, of things. I, yeah. I, I hear that from somebody and you know, if you're listening, you know yourself. <laughs> that always tells me that you like work. Yeah. And honestly, like, whenever I hear it, I don't know, like, maybe I should tell the person next time, actually. But whenever whenever I hear it, I don't think I feel good after hearing it. I, I feel discouraged. Mm. Because I... If, if it... 
okay, let me just pause it there because think, thinking about it now, as you said, it's, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know, after, after you said it just now, I didn't know yeah. it, it was a thing that people actually say outside mm. of my own experience. Yeah, yeah. So which is why it's clicking into my head now. Yeah. Um, but, but, like, but like, when, like when people tell you that, how do you feel? Sometimes it feels, depending on the activity it is and the context in which they are saying it. So sometimes even my cycling, like I used to wake up at 6.30 a.m. to go cycling and all of those sorts of things. And people would see it as, oh, you're so disciplined. Yeah. So some people define it as, oh, you're very disciplined. I wish I could be like you. And I guess in some kind of way, structure your ego a bit. No, but like when of, people say stuff like, oh, like, now nah, wow, why are you doing this? Or they're like, oh, you like what guy? Yeah. For uh, me. How does that make you feel? Oh, um. Sometimes good, to be fair. Oh, okay. Interesting. Yeah. But not really? like... Yeah, because I've never really... It feels like I'm doing something productive. You're telling me I'm... Like, I spend so much time on doing something that is super productive. But I know deep down that there are days that you see me, I think, and I'm playing too much. So if you see me in these moments, I think I'm working too hard then. Ah, yeah, yeah. yeah it helps yeah, me justify yeah. the moments that... Because I know people can see me and still see that I am, <clears throat> like, hardworking or, or whatnot. Because... Like sometimes I'm dancing Kizumba, like I go to like there's a day I'll dance, like there's a period in my life where I was dancing Kizumba like four times a week, and each one was about two to three hours. So technically, like you, you know, I, sometimes I'll be looking at myself dressing up and going, and I'm like, bro, like, <laughs> like what kind of that sort of thing. I still go to go yeah, cycling yeah, for yeah, yeah, for six yeah. hours on, on Saturday, but then in that same week, somebody will see me and they're like, bro, like don't you chill, that sort of thing. So for me, I think it's just let me not put a lot of pressure on what people's perceptions of the work that I do is um because okay it is what it, it is what it is yeah okay yeah so i looked at a uh a google search on attractive hobbies for men and women mm. and the first the first um response is from eHarmony mm. and uh sure carpentry is one of them carpentry for men so you're building things women love women find men that build things attractive Ah, no, he actually is not one of them. Well, this was in 2018, hence why okay. he, um, it's um, eHarmony, because I, I, don't, I don't know who uses that anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, but of course, the bias, there's a bias based on them being dead inside. And it's Western-centric, of course. I don't know the age of people they, they surveyed. Mm. Um, I, I, I don't know their socioeconomic status. And of course, people script hobbies on their profile so that they can, yeah. they can people game hobbies. Mm. Um, but anyway, the ones for... Uh, the women said that they're attractive for men. Uh, number one, traveling, exercise, theater, dancing, cooking, other interests, politics, pets, and photography. Mm. And for women, the men like that men find attractive is exercise, yeah. photography, traveling, arts, dancing, politics, other other interests, cooking and learning. So number one for women is exercise. Number one for men is so number one attractiveness that men like in women is exercise. It's exercise. Number one that women like in men is traveling. I wonder bro, why. I don't well, get the traveling thing, bro. bro like, isn't isn't that obvious? <laughs> What's that? Wait, when, when you're well traveled, what happens here? Okay, maybe it's not obvious. Let me let me caveat that so that no, okay. so, that, so that nobody comes for me. <laughs> well, my theory is exercise for men like exercise in women because it makes them think that she's fit, she's uh, healthy and fit, yeah, and they yeah. like that. No, it's I, go on. I get the men one. What I just don't get is women general like traveling. traveling potentially because. They will be part of that travel experience. And we know women like travel experience in this age. Yeah, but it still goes back to why do women like traveling? Like, I, 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 I tra- well, to be fair, 
<laughs> maybe let's I, I think travel is a very big word that encompasses a lot of things and maybe when i hear travel i just i guess people like new experiences and visiting new places but like when people really hamper on i like to travel like yeah there is a survey that says that women women travel more than men so in, in, instead of travel 2002 a report showed that women make up 63 percent of leisure travelers in the united states hmm. <sighs> and in a paper in psychology of women quarterly so that women are like to, more likely than men to report that they travel helps them to relax distress and learn about themselves Hmm. Interesting. I don't think it's a whole episode, but I'm very curious about like. I don't know because I, I have yeah, a lot a good of friends. Because yeah, because all the stats point to women liking travel more than men. Yeah. Which means your theory was quite spot on because, like you said, you said it because you said you said women like men that travel because they want to be part of the experience. Which yeah. some might have <laughs> because which some might have heard and be like, well, why are you reaching? And then just by Googling, you can see that. Yeah, interesting. That's another. And to be fair, we, we know a lot of women that travel in our lives, to be fair. Like, um, so maybe that's something to shape a podcast around. People that like to travel. Because like, I'm genuinely curious about that. Like, I like visiting new places. I like changing yeah. environments. But so associated with travel, I don't associate it with travel as a hobby. Do you get? So I'd rather focus on the new experiences of the destination than saying, Oh, I'm really looking forward to jumping on a plane and getting somewhere. Do you get? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's several theories why women like traveling. Um, but my, <laughs> I bet I hypothesize that this likeness of traveling has increased a lot more since 2005, since uh, Facebook emerged. Okay, what's the theory behind the theory? We'll save it for later. Cliff Isn't it obvious? Out. Social media. Oh, to show. This is a show and tell that aspect. I mean, potentially, that's probably part of it. I mean, let me read about this first, guys, before <laughs> I make this statement. <laughs> Maybe one thing we should be doing before our episodes is like, before we, like, we make all our claims and then maybe the part two of the episode is actually like verifying what those claims are because yeah bro like it's yeah so I'll verify if you listen to the next episode I'll, I'll let you know what I found or you can just do your own check and tell, tell me why women like traveling more than men and what and if you're a woman I say, I say, hey, Ibon, if you're a woman why do you like traveling and you like traveling why do you like traveling like just help us break it down because I, I don't know do you like traveling will you fam it's stressful <laughs> 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 bruh <laughs> Bruh, bruh, when I went, bruh. when I traveled three times this year, yeah, even though one was only out of Europe, my two travel travels in Europe, I just I just kept saying, why is this such an enjoyable activity, <laughs> bro? You queue like, like four times. You, you yeah. people check your, you're you're thinking about whether you forgot something in the house. The anxiety about. Like, I, well, to be fair, like obviously, if you travel enough and gain points, you know you can skip some of the parts. I have of no choice anyway, because because my girl likes yeah. to travel. So, yeah, yeah. I'm tra- in fact, I'm traveling in March. I'm <laughs> 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 screaming. I'm so, screaming. So for so me, it, it is what it is. <laughs> I think what has helped is so. I think this is the problem because I travel a lot, right? But I don't see it as a leisure activity because for me, it's a it's a means to an end. Not the experience yeah, yeah, itself. Yeah, yeah, exactly, you understand? Exactly. So for me, like this year, I've, I've, God, I've traveled quite a bit this year and I thank God for it. But it's like, it's always, there's a point to it. Um, and I almost like have to 
prepare myself for each one. And I, I try to make it as simple as possible for me. So I have this list of, I have my list on, on my phone of things that I always frequently pack. And that has helped me greatly reduce how much packing anxiety gets yeah, to me. Yeah, yeah, that's good. That's good. So, that's so good. when I'm leaving, I, I uncheck everything. I check everything when I'm leaving. And then when I'm packing to come back, I'm making sure to mentally, I, I check yeah, everything yeah, again. Yeah, so that yeah, way yeah. I know that, okay, these are the standard things. And then any additional thing really helps. But then airports, booking flights, making sure you pick the right seats, figuring out immigration, buying new SIM cards, uh, figuring out currency and exchange wow. rates. Bruh. Oh, I don't know. Anyways, good luck to everybody involved. Yeah. My babe is also like, she's a, she calls herself a lady of leisure. So, and traveling is, is high up on that list. So I guess. Yeah, I, yeah. I think I, I think in the end, this is probably why men live longer because women help us experience new things like this. So <laughs> shout out to them. Shout um, out. But yeah, let's wrap it up here. Uh, nice one. Stay tuned to our cinema therapy where we explore more into the topic of hobbies. We look at hobbies on social media. We look at ho- hobbies and the opposite sex. We'll look at um, obviously hobbies and social economic status. And of course, just reflect on the episode we had today. Um, but let us know what you think in the comments about hobbies, what you like, what you do, your hobbies that you like. Is there anything you heard today that you disagree with? You agree with? Mm-hmm. Um, let us know what hobbies you like in your partners or your potential partners. Let us know what you think about hobbies and the need to have spectators and social media, etc. Drop, drop your comments in the comment section. I'm Whimsical, and we'll catch you again next week, guys. Merry Christmas. Right. See you soon. See you soon. Bye. Hi there, and we're quite sure that the podcast landscape on your device is massive, and yet you found us and you chose to indulge in our long-form, complex, sense-making dialogues. And for that, we applaud you, but more importantly, we say a big, massive thank you. If you enjoyed this podcast, if it made you smile, think, debate, or even disagree, please show some support. You can do that in five simple ways. Number one, give us a great rating and review, and subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts. Number two, leave a comment, let us hear you, but more importantly, let our community hear you as well. Number three, share this episode with somebody new, somebody you thought about when you were listening, someone you think would enjoy it. Number four, if you're active on social media, connect, connect, connect. It's yellowpeelpod on Instagram slash threads and yellowpeel underscore pod on Twitter. Five, and finally, you can join our Patreon community down link below. Once again, thank you for taking Yellowpeel with us today. It's Wally, your co-host. Next to me is Toby. And we wish you the very best in the coming hours, days, weeks, and months. But we'll see you again soon. Till next time, peace and love, people. Peace and love.